The adults of our congregation are not the only ones who have been thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, If you're here at the church on Wednesday nights, uh, the boys club that meets directly below us, uh, kindergarten through sixth grade, uh, they are a very energetic group and uh, they have a lot of fun together and they're learning things. And they also have been thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. One of the songs that they sing each week is the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut which I was happy we hadn't chosen coconut or they had changed the song. Um, so, but they, they get very uh, energized singing this song. And I was down there a few weeks ago sharing with them and, and they uh, watched them sing this. And I thought, boy, everybody should be able to experience the joy of watching them sing. So we recorded some of them singing this song and you will be hearing it. Now, let me warn you. They, they sing, the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut, and in every verse, someone throws out another fruit that it's not. And they love to all say that at the same time. So I can't even quite tell what they're saying sometimes. But you'll get that. But then we also did some similar interviews with the children as we did with the adults. And you'll see some interesting answers to, some, to the question that we asked them. Because it spikes on it for protection. Be a peach, because peaches are sweet. Uh, cherry. I'd be the fruit, um, watermelon, because I'm really joyful. Yeah. Love or joy. Dragon fruit. Apple. I like to get strong like my dad. Uh, grapes. It's okay. The fruit of the spirit. About that, one is that at least one of the children made the connection of watermelon and joy, and I thought that was interesting that that connected with them. And the last little boy who said, "What fruit do you want to be?" and his answer was the fruit of the spirit, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you know that we're make, making a difference for them. Well, I was thinking about what to share as we concluded, and. Some of the things that, that you shared here are, are some of those essentials that we've been talking about over the course of these weeks. And I, I just wanted to, to remind us of a couple of things. One is that the fruit of the Spirit is not uh, so much about our relationship with God 
as it is what our relationship with God does to our relationship with each other. We sometimes think that all we have to worry about is our relationship with God. And, and that's, that's the only thing I think about. But the scriptures are clear to us over and over and over again that if we're in right relationship with God, it's going to come out of our lives. And one of the most profound ways in which it comes out of our lives is the fruit of the Spirit, how we treat one another. The challenge of that is that it's not just, we don't just treat each other in the, in the sense of the fruit of the Spirit, using those characteristics and displaying those characteristics when people display those characteristics to us. And in fact, the real test of the Spirit, the thing that separates these characteristics that, quite frankly, a lot of the world thinks are good things, what separates the, the world's mindset about these things and what we see as, as followers of Christ and our mindset about these things is that we respond these ways whether people treat us like that or not. There's a spirit of self-giving, a spirit of sacrifice And so Jesus says to his disciples in the passage in Luke we read a few moments ago, it is great if you're good to people who are good to you. And it's wonderful if you love people who love you. And you're kind to people who are kind to you. And you give to people who you know are going to give back. But quite frankly, anyone can do that. Pagan people do that. The evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is that we can be kind when people are unkind. We can, we can show people the spirit of goodness when they are showing us evil. We can love when people hate. And when people hurt us and they disappoint us, the fruit of the Spirit is showing them patience and kindness in spite of. Now, the reason that makes sense is because all of these characteristics are really just describing the nature of the character of God. This this is the nature of God. Scriptures tell us, both in God's own words as well as what God does in his actions, that we see that God is loving. He's joyful toward us. He gives us peace. He's patient with us. On and on and on we go. Over and over again. This is who God is. Which is why it is the fruit of God's spirit in us. If this is who God is and God is in us, then that's naturally what's going to come out of us. And as I said to you at the very beginning, one of the things I struggled with in doing, talking about the fruit of the spirit is it seems to me that you don't talk about the fruit of the spirit. You talk about our relationship with God. Is the spirit in us? And if it is, then we do this. And to a certain degree, that is still true. And it is true. But we have a part to play as well. We have a role. And I think the role is this. We have to want the fruit of the Spirit to come out of our lives. If we don't want to bear the fruit of the Spirit, we won't. It's as simple as that. Because if we don't want to see the Spirit coming through us toward other people, then it means we don't really want the Spirit in us. And so our role is the want to. And sometimes we don't want to, to be honest. And sometimes our first prayer is, help me to want to want to. But somewhere in the mix, there is this sense of our responsibility of saying, I want the Spirit to do in me what the Spirit wants to do in me. 
And we surrender ourselves and we open ourselves up. And surrender is often a negative word to us. Surrender most of the time feels like something we're giving up and we are. It feels like bondage to us. But in the kingdom of God, surrender is freedom. Jesus or Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Paul writes at the end of the fruit of the spirit list and says, against such things, there is no law. You know, when you talk about the rules and the regulations and the law that the, so many people were trying to live under, there was, they were, it was all about restrictions. And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit doesn't have anything to do with restrictions. It's total freedom. Not once will you hear God saying, put some restrictions on how you love. Put some restrictions on your joy. Put some restrictions on your patience. No. We have total freedom to go 100% with the fruit of the Spirit. No restraints, no restrictions, total freedom. We are free to love, free to give of ourselves, free to live. Because we are living in the power and the grace and the presence of the Spirit. And that changes our relationships. Because now we can, we can love people who don't love us. We can give ourselves away to people who might take advantage of us. We can, we can see relationships from a different perspective. A perspective that's God's perspective that ultimately takes Jesus to the cross. I'm convinced that if, if the Spirit's in us, it changes our relationships. And when our relationships are changed, we become the kind of witnesses for God that change the world. I've talked often about the book Red Moon Rising. It talks about the 24-7 prayer movement. It's such a catalyst for what we have done here in our prayer vigils. And at the end of that book, Pete Gregg, who is the author of the book, he says he was sitting in a coffee shop with a 25-year-old man, an entrepreneur who at that age of 25 had already started five successful businesses. He just had this knack. And Pete sat down with this guy and said... You know, we want to be better organized in this sort of loose movement, but we don't want it to become an organization that stifles us. Can you help us? He said, well, let me ask you this. Where do you want to be in five years? And Pete said, well, I guess in five years, what I would really want us, what I want to see us be, all, of our, all the people who are involved in this movement, I, I like to think that we would all still be friends. And that we'd still be dreaming about what God wants to do in us. Guy kind of smiled like, boy, you're really naive. He said, no. He said, what I'm talking about is what, what are your goals? What, what, what kind of business plan do you want to make? What, what, what do you see as, your, you know, as your, your function, your end result, success? What do you want that to be? That's what I'm talking about. And Pete said, well, I guess, if you put it that way, I'd like for us in five years to still be friends. And to still dream for God, what God may have for us. And the guy kind of smiled and he said, I think I'd like to be a part of something like that. And I read that and I thought to myself, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's it right there. 
That we are so connected to the Spirit that we are friends and we love each other through the ups and the downs and the difficulties and the struggles. We're connected to each other because of what the Spirit is doing in us and through the Spirit because of what's coming out of us. As we come to this table this morning, we come in gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ and him giving us the spirit that transforms us. And we also come with a yearning in our souls for more of the spirit, that the spirit would would just completely fill us, that we might be people individually and corporately who bear the spirit's fruit. Gracious Father, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us and for helping us through your spirit to actually resemble you. We thank you that your passion for us is to see your fruit coming out of our lives. May it be so. Father, we pray that you would pour out the abundance of your blessing upon the bread and the cup. And as we receive it today, let it be food for our souls. Let it be the food of gratitude, the food of yearning for your spirit. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen.